It's good to see you this morning. I'm glad you're here, and I'm certainly thankful for the opportunity to speak to you this morning. Not a lot of people know that I was in a band. Yeah, you heard right. I used to be in a band. I'll never forget those days. Formative time for me. To be fair, it sounds a lot more official saying it out loud than it really was. You may think, did you guys... Did you guys like go on tour? Did you have gigs and stuff like that? Well, we had a gig. <laughs> Truth be told, it was a hastily assembled group for an elementary school talent show. I think I was in third or fourth grade. You may say, Brad, what did you play? Did you play the keys, the drums, the guitar? Um, no, I played the cassette tape uh, <laughs> at recess for the band. Played it with excellence, but uh, I played the cassette tape. I played the tape while the all-girls group lip-synced. I would be kind and rewind when they were finished or when a move wasn't executed with excellence demanded by the group. When it was void of the precision required to win the prize, I don't know exactly why I was selected for such an important role at recess, but apparently I had the it factor. I had just what it took. I was the kind of guy that knew his way around reasonably priced, low-end, battery-powered mobile electronics. <laughs> CDs were actually readily available at the time, but we had to save where we could. For us, it was really about the music anyway, the art we were creating. The song that had been selected to mouth with motions was Wilson Phillips's chart-topping number one tune, Hold On. If you're from an older generation from mine, Wilson Phillips was a pop group in the 90s. The group consisted of Carney and Wendy Wilson, the daughters of Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, and China Phillips, the daughter of John and Michelle Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas. If you're from a younger generation, I don't know what to tell you, but let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> you're still Googling what is cassette tape anyway. <laughs> The chorus went, someday somebody's going to make you want to turn around and say goodbye. Until then, baby, are you going to let them hold you down and make you cry? Don't you know, don't you know, things can change. Things will go your way if you hold on for one more day. Hold on for one more day. Mm, timeless treasured words of wisdom, to be sure. And I read those lyrics just now, but truth be told, I heard it so much leading up to the big day and still to this day. Every line is seared on the innermost chamber of my heart. I don't remember exactly what happened on the day of the talent show. I am confident we did not win, and I do know that the band did, in fact, break up. <laughs> I don't remember why. Maybe it was the money, the relentless touring, the swollen egos, but sadly, the supergroup splintered, and there is no talk of a reunion. Despite the admonition of both Wilson and Phillips, we did not hold on for very long. Have you ever thought of how many things we are told to hold on to? It starts with children. Parents tell children, hold on when they give them a piggyback ride or a ride on the merry-go-round or when they're walking across 
the street. Kids tell friends, hold on. They'll tell their friend to hold on when they get on the back of their bike to give them a lift. Your mom would stick out her arm to hold on to you when she had to break abruptly. Certainly her arm would have stopped any injury caused by impact. How'd you come away from that terrible rollover accident unscathed? Well, when that truck was coming, my mom went like this. <laughs> Sometimes we're told to hold on, like on a phone call, please hold, then an automated voice says, your call is important to us, please hold for the next representative. Then the elevator music starts and you kind of forget what's happening, that you're on a phone call, and then it rings again, you say, oh good, good they're here, and then your call is important to us, please hold on sure it is important to you. Salespeople will say, hold on to your receipt in case you need to return it. Some of you wish you had the receipt for the gift you received at Christmas. That obviously regifted scented candle actually wasn't on your list. Thanks, Aunt Linda. You know me all too well. I can't resist being swept away by the scent of mocha pine tree. When you get older, you hold on to different things birth certificates, social security cards, marriage certificates, adoption papers, death certificates, passports, wills, Kohl's cash, the important stuff. <laughs> you know, the truth is, we're all holding on to something. And not everything we're holding on to is helpful. In fact, in life, what you're holding on to has the power to save you and the power to sink you. In our text this morning found in Hebrews, the writer continues his warning to those believers who have failed to mature in their faith. He wants to store up persistence in them. He wants to reassure and remind them of the guaranteed promises of God. Now the Jewish believers and to whom this letter is immediately written to were drawn to the rituals and the, the practices of their ancient faith. They would struggle to persevere through the hardships of life and to trust God's promises. Some would even fall away. Like some today, some had accepted Christ but remained unsure of their salvation so they looked back with fear. This chapter now reminds us as they were reminded, to go on to maturity, to endure in our commitment to Christ, and to cling to hope. This morning, I want to join the author of Hebrews in encouraging you to hold on to hope. And there's three themes in this passage that I think have the potential to be transformational in our lives. The first one is this the surety of hope. The surety of hope. Will you look at verse 19 with me, chapter six, verse 19. It's a familiar verse to many. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters in within the veil. The surety of hope. We have a hope that is sure, that is certain, 
a hope that is certain because of who ensures it. As you've already heard this morning when Bradley read our passage, Abraham is highlighted by the author of Hebrews as an illustration of that surety of hope that we have. God gave him a promise that he would bless Abraham. He would surely multiply his offspring. Furthermore, this passage points out that beyond the promise, God has sworn by himself as an oath, again showing the surety of our hope. He calls believers heirs of promise. The book of Galatians says, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Verse 18 says, so by two unchangeable things, which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. These are two unchangeable things or absolutes that God gives us assurance in. God's promises for God cannot lie and God's oath for God cannot change. The unchanging word of God and the unchanging person of God are all we need to ensure us and encourage us to hope. When I say surety, I mean certainty in the promise of God. Surety, though, also in a legal sense, in the oath of God. See, the Greek word employed here indicates a solemn, legally binding pledge guaranteeing that a person will keep a promise. See, surety means certainty, but surety is also a person or an entity who agrees to answer for the debt or the default of another. See, surety comes from the Latin securitas, which is where we also get our word security. This person says if he or she can't pay the debt and they default when they fail, I'll stand in their stead. I'll bear the burden of what they've owed. If the person racks up a debt high enough, heavy enough, a debt so severe that they'll always fall short, I'll cover it. See, just as God gave an oath to Abraham, he's given his heirs his absolute word. See, the God of the cosmos held up his hand and declared that he would pay a debt that we could not pay through the death and resurrection of Jesus. All our sin, all our failure, our shortcoming, the unbearable weight of our shame, he bore on the cross and he covered it. He covered it with the blood of Jesus. Believer, I want you to know this morning you have a surety of hope. Tim Keller says the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. The author's telling us our hope is certain in God. It is sure. Take hold of it. The surety of hope. Next, I want you to notice the stability of hope. The stability of hope. Look again at verse 19. It says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast one which enters within the veil. 
The anchor that we have is sure and steadfast, firm, stable. R.C. Sproul said, hope is called the anchor of the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish. I wish that such and such would take place. Rather, it is that which latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. See, this anchor was a familiar metaphor in ancient times. It was a a metaphor for stability, and the writer is saying that this hope delivers certainty, security, stability for your soul. This anchor of hope will not lose its grip. It will not slip. You know, it is important who or what you hold on to. And it's important, likewise, who or what has you in its grip. What has a hold on you? You know, you can tell a lot about someone when you shake their hand, can't you? Do you find the handshake sort of odd sometimes? Sort of uncomfortable like I do? Don't get me wrong. I don't mind a good handshake. I appreciate it. It's a good thing. But I'll admit, I feel like there's some folks that should offer a warning before they extend their hand. Well, let me give you a for instance. You might want to give a warning if your hands are cold and clammy. We're not upset at you. We'd just like to know ahead of time. Just right before you go in, listen, my hands are inexplicably cold and moist. Um, It may be a medical condition. It may be that I'm always nervous. I just want you to know what you're getting into. Thank you. Thank you. We don't want to embarrass you. I'm just saying we have a right to know. Uh, Secondly, uh, you might want to give a warning if you're the guy that has that extremely hard handshake. You know who you are. Uh, I'm not talking about a good firm handshake. That's the best case scenario. Nothing worse than a limp handshake that makes you wonder, has this person lost control of that extremity? I'm, I'm talking about that person that goes in and they just put your hand in a vice. Maybe you could just warn us ahead of time and say something like, uh, I'm about to welcome you to the family by crushing your phalanges. <laughs> I mean, you can come at me, bro. I've been opening jars in the kitchen for grandma for years. I was made for this moment. I just, I don't want you to get the jump on me. A final instance would be that, uh, the most dreaded, and that's the wet handshake. Um, Just don't do it. Just don't do it. We don't want to be welcomed with wetness, especially when you don't give us a heads up. Our minds are forced to go to the worst places of why your hands are in such a condition. Just abstain. Don't cause your brother or sister an occasion to stumble, okay? You know what? Our hope is not a far-off notion. It is real and tangible. I'll say it this way. Our hope has hands. And God reached for us in a very real way, and the hand of God feels like hope. During the most perilous moments of our lives, our true character is revealed. But even more than our character, the sufficiency of Christ to to walk with us, to hold to us, to steady us in the storm, even in those gut-wrenching events. 
his strength emerges. His sturdy arms, capable hands hold tightly and carry us through the storm. And many of you have lived this reality. The words to the hymn, He Will Hold Me Fast, were originally written by Ada Ruth Habershon. Matthew Merker recently read the words while going through a period of questioning in his faith. And he reimagined this great hymn with a new tune that we often sing in our worship services, and it's a powerful song. The first verse reads like this. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hope through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. Listen to me this morning. You need to hear this. We can hold fast because we're held fast. We're all promised storms. You won't escape it. But the stability of your life will be determined less by your circumstances and more by who or what you're holding on to. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. We can be encouraged and strengthened just like the writer of the Hebrews exhorted these early believers to hold on to hope because by his sovereign grace, he's holding on to us. (laughs) He won't let go. Our hope is firm, secure, stable, despite whatever wave crashes over us. As the psalmist penned, he set my feet on a rock, making my footsteps firm. The word steadfast in the original language conveys the idea of sustaining one's steps in going. It speaks of something or someone that does not fail under pressure. Reminds me of the words of the psalmist that says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. And though he may fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. The author of Hebrews wants these early believers to persevere, to to not fall away, but to hold to the assurance of their secure salvation, to continue to mature in faith despite troubles, to hold on to hope. Do you notice the surety of hope, the stability of hope? A final theme, the sanctuary of hope. Look at verse 19 again with me. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, the sanctuary of hope. The author is saying, we who come to Jesus have ran to him like one who would flee to an Old Testament city of refuge. And we can hold on to hope because it's a lifeline lodged in the sanctuary, the very presence of God with 
in the veil is a reference to the veil that separated the inner sanctuary of the Old Testament tabernacle and concealed the Ark of the Covenant where the glory of God met with the high priest once a year as he brought a sacrifice to atone for the sins of the people. Now Jesus has gone ahead as a forerunner to that heavenly holy place on our behalf. That tabernacle was a limited replica of a now heavenly reality. In a nautical application, anchors go down, but like a rock climbing application, our anchor goes up. And as we climb through this life, we navigate the rocky terrain and we are tethered to the truth of hope we have in the cornerstone of Christ, securely seated in the sanctuary of God. So not only do you have the promise of God, but we have the very presence of Christ to strengthen us. See, for the believer, there's always a line that leads to a direct connection to the sanctuary. No mediator required. A safe and secure place where we can come and weep, worship, Praise and pour out our hearts directly to the high priest that understands, that sympathizes with us, that is touched with our infirmities, that knows what it's like to experience both the triumphs in life and the tragedies. The anchor's out of sight, but it holds. Psalm 147, 11 says, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. We have the surety of hope, the stability of hope, and the sanctuary of hope. Let me be clear, our hope is the person and work of Jesus Christ. We have surety in our Savior, stability in our Savior, sanctuary in our Savior. See, all our hope is wrapped up in Jesus, wrapped up in the hope brought by that baby in the manger. Our hope is that man on the cross wrapped in our shame. Our hope is in the empty tomb where he was wrapped in a burial cloth. Our hope is in his eternal reign, the return of the king riding on a white horse wrapped in a blood red robe. All our hope is in Jesus. Hold on to him. Hold on to him. Is it your loved one this morning? Is it your health? Your career? your family, the situation you say, I just, I don't know how I'm gonna get out of it. Some other care of this world. Charles Spurgeon said, hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the night of adversity. I don't know what makes you lose hope, but make no mistake, it is found in Jesus. 
Maybe today would be the day that you call on him as your savior, that you might receive the life, the forgiveness, the hope that he's promised to all that call on his name. I wonder if it could be today that God is speaking to you to let go of something that you've been holding tightly to and to hold on to him. Uh, Could it be that Jesus is reaching the same hands that reached across the cross and is reaching out to you? Calling your name, looking into your eyes, reaching out his hand and saying, hold on to me. You know, you could spend this year holding on to a lot of things. Worry, bad habits, wrong thoughts, bitterness, materialism, hurt, control. Oh, you could could hold tightly to a myriad of insecure, unsure hands, but they always let go. They always pull you down. They'll always watch you fall. They'll leave you empty, void of the life that Jesus came to give. You know, the truth is, we're all holding on to something. Not everything we're holding on to is helpful. But what you're holding on to has the power to save you or to sink you. What's in your hands? God, we come to you this morning and we recognize that we are desperate for you. God, you are our stability in this life. You are what's certain in this life. And God, you've, you've made a way for us to come directly to you, to have communion with you. I don't know where we would be without it. God, would you help us today to have the courage and the boldness to let go of the things that we've been holding on to that keep us from you? God, that offer us a false sense of security God, may we in this year and in this life take hold of the hope we have in you. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.